0: back to another episode of the rare disorder podcast of my meet an expert series. Today, I have a guest with me on the podcast, Miss Terry Wilcox. Miss Terry is the executive director and co-founder of Patients Rising, a prominent rare disease organization that aims to provide education, resources, and advocacy for people living with chronic and life-threatening illnesses. Miss Terry, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Just to get started, and so my listeners can get to know you a bit, could you please give an introduction of yourself?
1: Well, my name is Terry Wilcox. I'm the co-founder and executive director of Patients Rising and Patients Rising Now. We are a national um, patient advocacy organization focused on access, affordability, and transparency um, in the D.C. area. The two organizations represent two arms of our Um, organizations. One is the support education and research side, which is Patients Rising. For those of you who know nonprofit lingo, it's a 501c3. And then Patients Rising Now is our advocacy and policy arm, where we do some lobbying, not a lot. We're not a huge lobbying organization, but we do do some. Um, And we do all of that work on the other side. We like to keep the firewall between the two. For a variety of reasons, because not everyone we come in contact with wants to become an advocate. And so we try to to put that, uh, in fact, I would argue probably most of the people we come in contact with with our programs do not. Um, I've been in advocacy close to 15 years. I have been working in the patient advocacy space. I started in cancer um, many years ago, and I started... My initial foray into all of it was going all over the deep South, Arkansas, um, Mississippi, Tennessee, and interviewing patient stories for sort of a documentary style. It ended up being a web series that we we did called Understanding Cancer. And it was the first time in my life that I really realized the struggles and a lot of the access struggles and just the overall struggle of a patient who's truly using every aspect of the healthcare system. And then I started to work at an organization called Vital Options. I became very close with the founder, Selma Schimmel. She was a pioneer in the young adult cancer space. And she passed away in 2014, um, nine months after my twin boys were born. They were born on her birthday. Um, And she really, everything I know, or at least I started out knowing, Um, from how to deal with you know key opinion leaders and medical professionals to you know just learning the whole advocacy space in general I did learn from her and I owe her everything she gave me such great insight and then after she passed away you know my work sort of evolved in the policy space because I became more and more in contact and dealt with it with my own family with my dad Um, he had kidney cancer and Diabetes and heart disease, and there were many aspects of the whole infrastructure of healthcare around access, affordability, that that I just that were challenging, that were just Mm -hmm. continually challenging. And we started doing more work in the policy space and looking at how it all fits together. And that just became my drive. Now, as far as the rare disease community, which I know you're going to ask me about, so I'll talk a little bit, you know, about our work in the rare disease community, we have ended up doing a ton of work with the rare disease community. And part of that is the rare disease community is massive, really, even though your rare diseases, there's there are rare diseases, there's so many rare diseases and so many groups as a whole, the rare disease community makes up a huge group and it works really well with what we do at Patients Rising because the rare disease community above all else can really look at the struggles of access, affordability. Um, and sometimes and, and transparency, I mean all of us can look at transparency because when you can't figure out what anything costs in healthcare, you know you've got a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. So you have extensive background and experience in the rare disease community. So what initially like got you immersed in the community? This could be like a connection or a story or anything like that.
1: What got me immersed in the rare disease community is we were doing a ton of work. Um, I don't know how many of you know the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review. It's otherwise known as ICER. And what ICER does is basically they review new drugs that are coming onto the market really before they've hit the market. They do this monkey math and give these put out this assessment. And the real goal of the assessment, a lot of their funding comes, they were founded with health insurance and uh, funding, um, now their their, their uh, you know their overall funding is more is somewhat more diverse. In fact, in many instances, uh, the, the pharmaceutical industry does give them a, a great deal of money, mainly because they want to be at the table of the conversations that are about their medicines. Obviously, um, but Eisner was founded, and it. It was very clear that all of the work that ICER was doing, every time they had a report come out about a rare disease drug, it was always bad. Their ability to really read the rare disease community and assess what patients really needed and and add value, what patients valued, was lacking. And I would speak out on that quite a bit. And I was at a meeting in Massachusetts, and I met this wonderful rare disease advocate. Her name is Jen McMary she spoke to me afterwards and she is a Duchenne mom. She's a mom of of boys with uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And immediately Duchenne muscular dystrophy at the time, the the drugs for that were being reviewed by ICER. And Mm -hmm. we became engaged and I really fell in love with the rare disease community at that moment. I've met so many people since then. Um, There's so many, I wish I worked with more. My bandwidth is so small, I just enjoy Um, the the rare disease community as a whole, the challenges and the things that we're working on really pertain so much to patients in this community. And I've been really, truly moved by the many that I've met. And if you look at our patient advocacy masterclass, which we offer, I would say probably 50% of the patients who come into that or the advocates who join that class to become advocates are from the rare disease community Mm -hmm. because the rare disease community needs a ton of advocacy. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. more so than anyone, because the needs are often similar, but you know obviously the diseases are varied. So that mm-hmm. is that is our my, my story of sort how I, how I got into working a lot with that community.
0: Yeah, so this kind of like leads into my next question about like connections you've made in the community and also like meeting new people. Um, so how is like kind of fostering these connections and meeting all these new people? In the rare disease space, kind of changed your outlook.
1: I don't know if it has changed my outlook as much as it has inspired my outlook. I would say.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, I have always believed that connections are everything, and I learned that from my mentor. You know, the connections that you form, and especially in patient advocacy, even though I came from. Uh, can the cancer space. I did work at the time at an organization that was called vital options that covered all cancers. So we were constantly getting people from the pancreatic cancer foundation. We were talking to breast cancer people. Obviously we were talking to lung cancer advocates. You know, the cancer space has its own set of Mm -hmm. all different types of advocates. Um, And I realized in that moment that even though you're advocating on a daily basis, maybe for your specific, your specific disease, That there's so much more power in numbers and really at the end of the day, a lot of the things that we're all fighting for are really across disease states. And It's not even just the rare disease space. I would argue Mm -hmm. that patients in the rare disease space, like people living with cystic fibrosis, are suffering the same challenges. As though someone living with rheumatoid arthritis, obviously a much more common disease, who are both going through the experience of copay accumulators and not being able to have their copay assistance counted towards their deductibles. That's mm-hmm. the same. So working together, you realize, and that's one of the visions that I have for Patients Rising Now in the Advocacy Masterclass and our delegates, is that you're always an obviously you're an independent advocate advocating on behalf of your disease as well as others but as well as you know anything else you advocate on but mm-hmm. but when we all come together and join forces with our stories nothing's really more powerful than that there's no organization no matter how big they are how much money they have that can be more powerful than the collective voice of patients
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Like just everyone kind of like coming together in this community, I feel like makes it really powerful, whether that um, is like encouraging people like on their advocacy journeys. I've seen like numerous people um, being extremely supportive of their friends and other advocates. Um, but just, yeah, like coming together, um, I really believe that makes like a really large impact.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, so now kind of moving into the patients rising and patients rising now. Um, So I was wondering if you could like kind of describe like what the values and the mission of these organizations are and what like they really stand for in the rare disease space.
1: Well, our mission is to provide education, resources, and advocacy for people living with chronic and life-threatening illnesses. Obviously, rare disease encompasses all of that because there's many chronic rare diseases many rare diseases are life threatening even when you look at something like cancer there are many rare cancers within rare diseases so there's rare disease really encompasses everything there's rare forms of our of immune you know mm-hmm. arthritis there's rare forms of of, of everything um so really it really feeds in and is infiltrated into everything we do our vision as an organization is an inclusive healthcare system where all patients have transparent, affordable access to the treatments and services that they need. I mean, that's our number one mission. That's what we strive for every day. We believe that all patients um, have rights and dignity, and that must always come first. Care and treatment should be timely and affordable. Patients, med- patients, medical professionals, and policy experts must focus on solutions together. And I would second that with when you're also looking at the industry elements of all of this, when you look at insurance, pharmaceutical companies and others, uh, hospitals, whatever, those solutions must all, they must all come together as the big entities as well. The government obviously is part of that. Patients and advocates must have a platform to raise awareness of, of, of their disease, you know, and it's more impactful together. I can't tell you how much patients have learned from the patient Rising Advocacy Masterclass just all being in the same room. Some advocates have advocated more on the device space. Some have advocated more on their disease specific base, but being able to come together within their communities, that's another thing, forming groups of patient advocates within communities to advocate on behalf of patient access issues is also key. And we believe that no patient should be deprived of access to the treatments they need or the services they need or the tests they need or whatever it may be when they need it. so that's our main, and that feeds over into patients rising. Now, patients rising now's mission isn't that much different. I mean, obviously we do; it's not really different at all, except that we're focused a little more on policy and direct advocacy work, and creating these pods of patients and developing patients who can advocate not only on behalf of themselves but the others around them, and the others within, with their community. Personally, I believe that healthcare is local. I don't believe that, that there's a national fix for healthcare. I don't think I ever will believe that just because it's too big. And most of us are very, um, if you're very connected to your communities and especially in the rare disease space, I would argue that you are, uh, that you have, you know, rare disease communities. Sometimes it's spread out. Sometimes you're so rare that you are spread out, right? Because there's not, you know, a, a bunch of people with your disease. Um, living, you know, right around the corner, but it's so it's important to have both virtual and local communities uh, uh, in in place. And that's what we that's what we fight for. I mean, we and we fight for having the patients lead the fight as opposed to us leading the fight. We are we are at the mercy or not the mercy, but we are directed um, by what our patients' needs are, or what our you know what our patient advocates' needs are.
0: All okay. right, and then, so how was Patients Rising founded? Like, whether that is, like, a backstory or a personal connection, what really kind of, like, um, really made you want to start this organization?
1: Well, patient, as I told you at the beginning of the conversation, I was working for Vital Options with my mentor, and for a little while, I was working, um, you know, after her, after she passed away,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I really began, you know, in, in doing that work, I really began to get involved with more patients and advocates, um, especially patients on the ground. Like I said, from my own personal experience, issues my mom went through with my grandmother, my aunt who um, was born physically and mentally disabled with a, you know, a a rare form of epilepsy. And um, it was, you know, a struggle for their entire lives. And finally, at this point in my life, it kind of all came to, I put together, I didn't come from a policy background. It's not like I went to school and said, oh, I wanna be a health policy expert and I'm gonna get an, you know, an MA in health policy and I'm gonna follow this roadmap. You know, my roadmap sort of, you know, Came out in front of me as I was walking along the path. Right, you know, if your path is like forming while you're while you're walking on it, which is sort of how mine has been, and my connection to those patients, but also to the policy. I do believe that policy changes, especially local policy changes and federal. I think there's important important points for each regulatory policy, meaning the FDA, CMS, you know, yeah. NIH. There's regulatory policy, there's federal policy, there's state policy, and obviously there's local, there's your community policy like policy that you can affect in your community or that mm-hmm. you can build um, through nonprofit advocacy in your community. Um, and that is really what drove me. that was really it's really what drove me what you know just watching my mom in the transparency piece, was watching my mom really struggle with the waste in the system. Mm-hmm. And all the hoops that she had to jump through to get the right care for my aunt, to get the right care for my grandmother, just – it it's a maze. And I just think, gosh, what if you don't know anything about it and you're struggling with it all alone? And that's really what what drives me is thinking about how can we make this simpler? How can we make this less compli- complicated for people who are already struggling with rare and chronic illnesses?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. And then kind of given this, like today, what are Patients Rising's like main initiatives and like the different resources that it offers for both patient and caregivers to advocate for themselves in the rare disease space um, or also through different um, types of ways?
1: Well, the main initiatives of patient, Patients Rising uh, are our Patients Rising Concierge Hotline. Which is available on our website. You can probably link to it in your show notes. It's if any if you have any sort of problem navigating to navigating your healthcare or are finding problems accessing uh, some treatment or just understanding your health plan. You're getting denied or something. You know that's what we're we were formed for. You can email us at ask us anything at patientsrising.org. Or you can visit patientsrisingconcierge.org. And that's our main help initiative. We also have education initiatives at Patients Rising University. And then, like I said, if you're really interested in patient advocacy and you want to really grow your training as a patient advocate, I highly recommend visiting Patients Rising Now and looking at our Patient Advocacy Masterclass. And that's one way that you can definitely learn to advocate for yourself.
0: All right, perfect. And then if someone like right now who's listening would like to become involved, what would you like recommend for like the first step they can take to kind of become involved with Patients Rising?
1: The first step you can take, if you want to become involved is to go to Patients Rising now because Patients Rising, like I said, it's more of a help uh, play, you know, more of a help and education And we do some research there but if you go to patients rising now look at the top of the page and hit get involved (laughs) Um, there's ways that you can be an advocate and it talks about all the different ways that you can get involved with us there's a little short questionnaire Um, there's a way that you can go to patientsrisingstories.org i highly recommend this Um, we have a website it's really fantastic it's called patientsrisingstories.org and there you can share your story um and it's not just share your story, but it's really a place where you can actually create a landing page for yourself. You can put your Twitter links, your Instagram links. You can, you know, what motivates you, what drives you, what what issues you have, what disease state you have. And it's a place where people can really look up advocates and people by district, by state. Um, and we really like to keep it open. Our goal is to, you know, our hope is that advocates everywhere will will put their story on there for that very reason, and it will not only give us a, a database and a resource of patients to call on when we're, you know, working on policy issues that might be of interest to them, and growing well-trained advocates, but also a place that you know advocates themselves, if they may not have a website or or whatever they where they can put um, their story and share with others. And so it's a place also you can share, you know, with your legislature. Like here's my story. Like go to this link and read all about me. Here I am. Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, and then, so, ever since, like, Patients Rising has kind of started, what would you say, like, some major achievements or accomplishments are of the organization?
1: I think one of our major achievements as an organization is our ability to talk to patients from all walks of, you know, the, all, all walks of, of life, you know, all different disease states, all different ages, all different demographics, all different, you know, all parts of the country, cities, rural, all over the place. That's our, our number one thing. And people say to us all the time is the one thing we know about patients rising is that you have patients, that you, you actually have real patients. And that is not easy to do. Um, many patients just want to fix their disease and get on with their life. They don't really want to be a professional patient.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know, so it's a unique um, thing to find patients who are willing to share their story and to want to advocate. And that's not everyone. And we were, are extremely respectful of that. We don't expect everyone to be an advocate. Um, but many times patients are willing to share their story if they know it's going to make a difference. And that's one of the things that we stress. Our, our other accomplishment, huge accomplishment is this 14 week masterclass that we've developed, as well as our work. Um, countering not only the um, you know the discriminatory nature of the Institute for Clinical and Economic Review, but also um, just the lack of scientific rigor that is in their methodology for reviewing um, w- reviewing new medicines. So I would say those are our three greatest accomplishments and just the fact that we made it past five years old because starting a nonprofit is is not for the is not for the not for the week. It's a mm-hmm. long road, it's hard, fundraising's hard, starting is f- hard, it's all hard. It's nothing about it is easy. Mm-hmm. Um but it's you know in our in in the instance of patients rising and from where I sit now, it is definitely worth it. And my goal, my greatest goal is that one day there needs to be no patients rising because everything is extremely easy and healthcare is simple and we all get access to what we need. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether or not we ever reach that mighty goal is, we'll see, but um, you know, I always say that the best advocacy to be done is advocacy that's not needed anymore because you know your work is finished.
0: All right, yeah. Um, I could really applaud you for starting this nonprofit organization because, like today, I know it's a major organization in the rare disease space, and a great resource for a lot of different advocates and patients.
1: Well, thank you very much for having, uh, having me on your your podcast today. It's a big undertaking to do a podcast at your age, so I'm really proud of you as well. I think it's a great undertaking. So. Um, happy to happy to share with your audience
0: thank you and then just kind of as we close out now i was just wondering if there's like any resources you would like to share with my podcast audience today which is mainly comprised of rare disease patients caregivers and organizations um just any additional resources
1: um, I think the main resources, I mean, obviously our websites have a ton of resources on it, but direct resources are some of the ones that I've mentioned. One of the things that anybody who is interested in policy is Patients Rising also has a podcast. We have Patients Rising podcast. I think you've been on it with, mm-hmm. with, uh, our patient correspondent, Kate Bacora. Yes. We talk health policy. Um, we talk health policy for patients every week. And so I would recommend that if you're interested in health policy, it does have a lot of really, um, good information that we hope that patients can easily digest number one uh the other is some of our helpline the patients rising concierge if you're seeking direct help and the patients rising master class i mean those are the three primary uh ways that that i would recommend as far as our programming and, and resources and then there is just we have great search engines on our website so if i haven't named something you can always look up on our website and if we have an article on it it's going to be there, whether it's, you know, Medicare, Medicaid issues or, or whatever they may be. Um, I highly recommend that. And if there's a, a thing, if you go to our website and there's something you think we're, we should write about, we're always open to topics and guest bloggers as well. So.
0: All right, perfect. Um, so I would just like to thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Miss Terry, and sharing all this wonderful information about Patients Rising and also Patients Rising Now. And I'm sure my listeners will be really excited to hear all of this. So just thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you very much. I really
0: appreciate your time.